This is Bob Rourke with Business Leaders Podcast. And this afternoon, we have Jamie Zaman. She is the founder and president of Titan CEO. And our guest today is Stuart Smith. He's the CEO of Bueller Companies. Welcome, Jamie. Welcome, Stuart. Thank you. Thank you. Well, we're going to jump straight into it. Stuart, if you would, tell us about your business and who you serve. So the name of my company is Bueller Moving and Storage, and we're an agent for Mayflower Van Lines. And then we also have Alliance Relocation that's an agent for United Van Lines. And then about 10 years ago, we bought Student Movers, and that's our local moving company. And so we bought that because people had the perception that we were just the big trucks. And so they skipped over us for small little moves. And in essence, we do all those, but we bought Student Movers to give people the perception that that's what they wanted was was something for a smaller move. And so that's been a, that's been a great acquisition. And so we do local household goods. We do interstate. We do international. We do we have about half a million square feet of storage space between all four locations. We do a tremendous amount of office moving. Uh, office moving and commercial business has turned into about uh, 60% of our revenue now. We do hotel renovations. We also have gotten into battery work where we go to different cell sites from El Paso all the way to South Dakota. And we replace cell site batteries from A to Z. We climb to the top of the mountains. We go to deserts. It's crazy some of the places we've been to change cell site batteries. And we do uh, Girl Scout cookies. We're the largest distributor in the United States for Girl Scout cookies. That's kind of a cool little thing. In fact, they're coming into our warehouse right now. We'll end up getting about 72 truckloads of cookies, about 270,000 cases. So it's a lot of cookies. And we deliver those out in February, early February. We do um, designer work. So we'll, we'll designers will ship all kinds of furniture in, and then we'll deliver them out to uh, homes and resort places. And we'll do we'll set up everything from A to Z with the houses. We do work for a, a big home builder that we go around and set up other model homes. And so we're, we've tried to be very diverse. Probably my favorite thing we do is the office moving because it's, it's just a great piece of business and you, and you can do a lot of different things quickly. Wow. I love the Girl <laughs> Scout cookies. That's so exciting. It's kind of fun. It is kind of fun. Well, you know, I'm so excited to have you here, Stuart, as a 2020 Titan 100. It's no surprise that you have made this list. And for those of you that are listening and or watching, Stuart was recognized as one of Colorado's top 100 CEOs and C-level executives in Colorado, the book that features 100 Titans of industry. And so as we kick off this podcast, one of the things I always like to ask every Titan that we interview in this series is what characteristics that they believe it takes to be considered a titan of industry. Yeah, there's a lot of different characteristics I think that it takes to be a, uh, a titan. And one of it is, uh, I think you have to have really have culture in your company. I think the number one most important thing in running a business is cash flow, but number two is culture. And if you don't have a great culture or a culture of one of bringing your people together in a cohesive form, you're shot, you're shot in the foot. And let me tell you, it's hard because everybody, it's like herding cats and everybody has different opinions on how it works. But the main thing is if you, as the leader of the company, don't recognize your people and make them feel like they're part of something special, you don't ever have anything cohesive. And so we really take our culture very, very seriously. We have, we kind of live our company through our cultural structure through a book called The Energy Bus. And John Gordon's the author. Got to hear him speak in a very private setting and 
it changed my life. It changed a bunch of our employees' lives. Quick little story about that. We had everybody read it. And one of our employees came up and said, hey, Stuart, this is a great book. And it's really impressed me. And I love what you're doing, but you're not living it. And I'm going, I said, what do you mean? And uh, she said, well, we have an energy vampire in the office here and you're not doing anything about it. So we had to step back and look at what we were doing. And I went and said something to the that person's manager. And he said, Stuart, you can't let that person go. They've been here 15 years and they know everything about the company and about what we do. And I go, we've got to make a change or we're not going to be who we say we are. So I, after a bunch of consternation and going back and forth, we let her go and the attitude of the whole company changed. We just had a similar situation like that happen out in our warehouse. And so if you have everybody rowing together in the same direction, you can take that boat anywhere. So, and we also have our core values that we live by. And so, but culture to me is paramount in making a company successful. And people, it's gotten to be such a buzzword, but it's, it is so true. If you don't have people that want to be part of what you are, then you've got nothing. And so you got to make people believe that you're doing the right thing and that you care about them and that you're trying to do something bigger. Excellent. I love that. You're the first Titan that we've interviewed that has really talked about the culture and cash. So the C and the C, as I'll put it. <laughs> well, they're both paramount to success. And, you know, if you don't have cash flow, you, you can have all the receivables and all the profit on the paper and you got nothing. So you got to have cash flow so you can pay your employees, you can make your payable runs and pay your bills. And so that's paramount. But after that, it's culture. And so I think we've got people that really understand that now. You know, before we segue into into your journey, how you got from there to here, when you get an additional business add-on and you come into it day one, what do you think about in in transferring or, in, or instilling the culture that you have elsewhere into the new location? What do you do? Oh, so when, like when we expand to a new location? Mm -hmm. uh, the first thing we do is we take our management team to the new place or that we've done in the past. And we sit down and talk to everybody and find out what their, what their needs and what their wants are and what's important to them. What's going to make them feel like they're part of what we are. Find out what they need to help the branch be more successful. Where do they feel like the previous ownership group let them down? How do we improve on that? And then we try and do things that, that make people feel special. And so a lot of it is is point-to-point -point contact in person. That's what's problem today with that's my perception of what's going to change culture today with all the pandemic. I think it, we're going to see a, a pendulum swing to where people are working out of their house more and more, but it's going to go back the other way because culture is going to suffer. And so we've really, we work on that when we buy a new location or when we grow or we do anything, we try and stay in touch with people. And, and I think it's important for the, the owner or the CEO to be visible. You got to be visible. You got to I feel like you got to manage by walking around. You got to let, I don't care what, who you are. None of us are that important. And so we, humility is so important. And you got to let people know that we, you appreciate them as a leader. We bought a, a new building four years ago now. And it's my pride and joy as, as an owner. Uh, it's, it was, uh, it's the Taj Mahal for what we do. It's 330,000 square foot building. And I asked all the ladies in the office, I said, hey, what's important to you in our new location? I said, what would really make you feel special about, you know, about being there? And I mean, what, what do you want in our new office? And they go, we want nice bathrooms. I mean, let me tell you, our bathrooms are top notch. And people laugh at me because I get all excited about our bathrooms, but 
for granite countertops. They have the automatic hand wash. They've the tile is amazing. I mean, they just have a certain feel. We have the same thing. We have showers for our drivers. We have a gym and we have showers in the gym. So, I mean, and there's just a vibe and there's a feel that, uh, that shows that we care. You know, it, it, jumping around, you were talking about the just going back a bit. You were talking about the energy vampire, and when that person moved on from your company, what did you notice in the behavior or reaction to the folks that were still part of the team? Oh, just the attitude change was amazing. People's attitude got so much better. They felt like, hey, they're really listening to me. Hey, they care. Hey, they care about who we are and what we're doing. And so, cause you know, it's easy to, to listen to someone and then kind of blow them off. But if you do what people, if you do what you're preaching about and you follow up with it, people believe you and it's easy to lose the trust that you work so hard to develop. So I think as a leader, that's something we have to constantly work on. I love hearing you talk, Stuart, about just connecting with your people and really listening. It's really refreshing as you talk just about the humility that's involved with leading your organization. I would love to know, and I'm sure many of our listeners would as well, just what your story has really been and how you've gotten to this path. You came to acquire Euler Companies, so if you could just kind of walk us through through your journey, I think that that would really resonate with so many people. Well, it's kind of a silly story, but I uh, before I got in the moving and storage business, I sold ladies apparel, dresses and sportswear. And there's a definite correlation between trucking and ladies dresses and sportswear. So I don't know how, I don't know what it is yet. I'm still trying to figure it out. I mean, I used to, I used to work with beautiful women and now I work with truck drivers. That, so I think, I think I'm the crazy one, but anyway, it's I was a good match. The, it's a good it, there, there's a match. Yeah. So I, uh, I was with, was with a company and we grew it really fast in the apparel business and some things came up with uh, this gentleman's lifestyle and involved some illegal drugs that helped take the company out of business. And I didn't know what I was going to do. I was a young guy with uh, young children and I was like, I got to find a job. And but I knew that I really wanted to be a, the entrepreneur. And so my brother-in-law in Denver, I lived in Dallas at the time, my brother-in-law in Denver said, called me up and he goes, he wants you to come up and look at this little moving company. And he goes, I'm just, I'm sick of the, the brain drain of the people and the equipment breaking. And I just want to do uh, freight forwarding. And I go, okay. That I, I didn't even know what a truck was, much less a forklift. So came up and looked at it and I go, wow, this is cool. I've always liked forklifts. And he had a Mercedes truck and I thought, well, I've always wanted a Mercedes. So he had a partner and took a dive and bought my brother-in-law out. And then, um, it was a different company. It wasn't Bueller at the time. It was uh, another company. And so we played a lot of cards back then, you know, on weekends with the boys. And someone said, Hey, at uh, one of the card games, I said, they said, Hey, Bueller Mayflowers for sale. And I told my partner at the time, I said, Steve, that's our ticket to grow. And I was the partner that was always bouncing off the walls and trying to, you know, try new crazy things. And he's the guy that was always the, I don't know if you said stable, but he was the quiet one. And so I was, I was pushing him and he was pulling me all the time. So anyway, I went and looked at Bueller and I said, Hey, I want to put this deal together. And so it took six months and there was a lot of issues with it and a lot of negative equity in the balance sheet. And I got a bank to buy off on it because there was off balance sheet equity. And so anyway, 28 years ago, we made the deal happen. And so I had a partner at the time. So we bought it together and then I bought him out a year later, year and a half year later. And then I bought our Fort Worth location. And then uh, we bought a branch in Colorado Springs that was non-branded. 
And then we bought United agencies in Fort Worth and Denver. Then we bought new warehouses in Fort Worth and a new one in Denver. Then we bought Colorado Springs and then we bought student movers. And then lastly, we bought uh, Albuquerque. So when I bought the company, it was doing about a million too. And last year we did about 34 million. So. Wow. In the moving business, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a tough business because there's a lot of moving parts. I mean, there's a lot of expense. I mean, people say it's expensive to move, but you got to pay all the work comp and the, and the insurance on trucks and the health insurance. And it's, it's a thin margin business. So, but the cool thing is, I mean, when we bought the company, we had about 40 employees and our high watermark was 300. This lat, right now we're at about 225. And so we provide a nice living for about 225 families. That's when you start thinking about it, that's kind of, um, it's very humbling because I mean, you're, you're responsible for those people. So I don't take that lightly. Wow. We've certainly got it dialed in, in terms of how to, acquire and build culture and acquire again and continue with the culture. I mean, we heard you talk about it earlier, but so many people only dream about acquiring organizations to continue to grow and further their mission. And you've done it successfully so many times. I would be curious to know, Bob, I'm sure you're wondering this too. Is there any sort of advice that you might be able to offer to a CEO looking to make multiple acquisitions as you did what's one piece of advice or secret sauce well i don't know that there's a secret sauce some of it's being risk averse my cfo is always like no when we bought our albuquerque office he and i went down and looked at it and we were leaving and we were driving to actually our fort worth office and yeah i said uh, so um what do you think and he goes Whew, oh, i see a lot of uh see a lot of problems there you know, he went through the list and, and he goes, what do you think? And I said, I see opportunities. So we bought Albuquerque and then he goes, hey, why don't we just stay in the place that we're at? Because it was really not a nice location. It was, it was just a dump. And I said, okay. He goes, why don't we stay there for a year just to make sure we're good? Well, two months later, I bought another warehouse there. So I was like, no, we got to have a nice warehouse. But I guess my advice is uh, the way I look at every purchase is what's the, when I, any business deal, whether it's a car or buying a business or anything, I always say, what's the very worst that can happen? And once I figure out what that is, and once I come to grips that I can live with whatever that is, then I realize, yeah, go for it. You know, if I'm comfortable with it, then anything above that is good. So interesting. it's kind of my own little, I guess that's my secret sauce. It's simple. I mean, you know, it's not anything, we're not building rockets, so... That's, it's, you know, I, I think about risk management. You know, what, what fascinated me, I'm going back to, now I'm envisioning this workout gym, showers, and, and fancy bathroom that you went into this. Yeah, I'm now stuck in, in the bathroom. And so I'm thinking about, <laughs> we, we all have our things, you know, and, yeah. and I'm thinking about the behavior and reaction of the ladies that work for you, the truck drivers that come in and it's clean and welcoming and it's for their comfort and benefit. And it's, I would say, atypical. What did that do to your ability to recruit and retain quality people? Well, thank goodness we don't have a lot of turnover. So, but it does, when we bring people in and we walk them around the building, people are like, wow, this is, it is really cool. I mean, it's just got a great vibe. We have a driver's room where we set up this driver's room with a pool table. It's a, for interstate drivers. So they can get away from everybody. Has a computer in there so they can do paperwork. Has a TV, a couple nice couches, washer and dryer. And so they can go in there and 
just get away and not be bothered. And so that's, I mean, we just kind of have a real cool vibe there for everybody to, to feel like they are part of something special. And we have a great lunchroom. We cook breakfast for everybody. Oh, I'd tell you probably my favorite thing is that I do for employees that make them feel special. So Jamie, you'll have to answer this question. What are two things, what's the two favorite things women love? Ooh, there's a lot, but shopping, one. What? Shopping for what? Oh, everybody's different. Some women like shoes, some like handbags. Bingo. Shoes and handbags. Well, I mean, I'm kind of simplifying it and generalizing, but so uh, I take everybody in the company shoe shopping every year. So if you give somebody a cash bonus, typically a lady in the office, and you say, here's here's a couple hundred dollars, they're going to say, oh, thanks. And then they're going to go pay a bill. Well, if you take them and you go with them and we have, we go to the store and we had, they open up for us early and everybody gets to go buy a pair of shoes and it's a very nice store. So they get 200 to $250 to spend on a pair of shoes. And it's amazing what that does because when someone wears those shoes, they're, they're like, those are mine. They're not something I had to share with my kids. And uh, (laughs) it's, it's very simple, but you wouldn't believe the reaction. I started doing it with just the women, but the men got all crazy. Go, how can the girls get it, but we don't? So now I take everybody. And you know, for- that's awesome. What a thoughtful gesture that means so much and is so unique. I love it. Well, you got to be different. I mean, you just have to be different because anybody can just be, any company can be like any, you know, every other company. And I just want to be different. You know, I, I would probably be remiss. You know, we're in the middle of COVID at the moment. You know, for you and your business, it seems like there's an out-migration, lots of people moving around, seems like to me. Are you seeing much difference in your business as a result of COVID? Oh, yes. Uh, it's been quite the year. So our household goods this year are through the roof. Our interstate hauling is way off the charts. Local moves are awesome this year, whereas previous years, it has, you know, it's been good, but not as vibrant as this year. And But our commercial business is way off because people aren't in the offices. And so I have this, I have this vision of what I think what's going to happen. I think, well, I have my own personal opinion on the pandemic, so I I probably should, I'll keep that to myself. But I believe once people start going back to the offices, because they will at some point, companies are going to allow people to start working from home more and more. And so there's going to be downsizing of offices. So we're going to be doing a lot of decommission work. So that's going to work for a little bit, but then companies are going to find out that, hey, after Joe left and I hired Susan, I don't have anyone to train Susan because Joe's gone and I don't know how to. And so there's no one in the office to train that person. So how are you going to get that person trained? The culture is going to disappear and culture for companies is paramount. So I believe that you're going to see a swing, a pendulum swing where people work from home more and more. And that's what a lot of people think they're more efficient. And then I think you're going to see in about 18 months to two years, companies are going to say, hmm, this just isn't working. We got to get people back. So they're going to start bringing people back. So I think we're two years away from what's going to happen there in the, in the working world. It's my opinion. It's all conjecture, but we'll see how right I am. Well, I think you've definitely hit the nail on the head about the culture. I work with so many CEOs in our CEO peer groups, and they talk about the challenges right now of the remote workforce and the culture, and they're losing their people because the, that IT professional can work anywhere, 
they're not connected to the culture anymore. So an organization that wants to pay them a couple thousand dollars more a year, they're making the switch. And that's a real challenge. So I think you hit the nail right on the head with that, Stuart. You're quite intuitive. You well, sound like a... One of the Go ahead, that, sorry. Whenever someone says they're going to leave, if I want them to stay, I try to convince them by telling them, hey, look, the grass might look greener, but do they really, are they going to mow the grass? You know, it might look pretty shaggy where we keep our grass mowed and, you know, we water our lawn. So anyway, that's my own little silly. <laughs> you know, it's the, the old, the old days is, you know, the grass is not greener on the other side of the fence. It's just better tended. Yeah kind of thing. And, and I think that's, my father was a Navy NCO, so it kind of heard that a lot. Of course, I mowed yards a lot. So yeah. But no, I, you know, the thing I, that strikes me about all of that is I think about the culture in office and for the folks around the warehouse and so on. And I got to believe that transmits to the people that are out interfacing with your customers. Would you say that's an accurate comment in your observation? Oh yeah, because I, I do hear, I mean, I generate a lot of business, you know, for, just from people I know and the stuff that our crew say, you know, about our company and about our leadership team does make me feel pretty good that, you know, people appreciate what we do and how we care. And let me tell you, if you don't fit in, you don't last long at our company because it's, there's certain people just don't get it and they don't, they understand and they leave. But I mean, it's amazing. We have a lot of longevity. I got people that have been there longer than me and it's, I've owned it 28 years. I'm, I got two employees that have been there longer than me. I got several that have been there as long as I have and, you know, many over 20. And so it's a very comfortable feeling knowing that we have people that really care. It goes a long way and it shows, you know, I think Stuart, you know, as I listen to you, super CEO comes to mind. The t- no. the t- <laughs> yeah. The no. title of, of a Titan is certainly befitting. So I will ask you this one question as we wrap up. And it's a little bit of a fun one, but if you had a superpower, what would it be? Hmm. Never thought of that. Probably my favorite. I'm not a big, I'm not one of these big super, you know, power guys that, you know, watches all the, but my favorite Superman. So probably where I, the superpower I had, if I could have it where I could take care of our employees and make sure that everybody is financially stable and not everybody, I don't believe in socialism, but I do believe that, you know, if your people, if you help them earn and you show them how to fish, they're going to be able to feed themselves. So like one of the things I want to do when I sell the company is I'd like to start a foundation for people to attend trade schools. We need trade school people. We need people that know how to drive trucks, know how to put sheetrock up, know how to hang ceiling tiles. We need electricians. We need plumbers. They're disappearing and everybody thinks the thing to do is sit at a desk and operate a mouse. And our countries, we're going to die if we don't get some people in there that know what the heck they're doing in that. So if my superpower is anything, it would be to get people to understand the undeniable need for trades because how important that is. I think you're going to see a swing in people not going to college, even though it's going to be free now. You know, everything's free. I apologize. <laughs> I feel like that uh, we're going to see that we need people that, that understand that they can make a living doing a trade and, yeah. a, and good living. So, Well, you know, with all this going on, Stuart, the thing that I must ask is for the folks who are going, you know what, I need, to, uh, I need Stuart to help me or I need to know more about his company. Where do they find you on social media? So I'm on LinkedIn and I just got on Facebook. So because our, our CIOs, our information 
gentleman said, dude, you got to get on Facebook and see what, you know, cause there's movers forums and there's all this. And he goes, you got to see what people are saying. So I'm kind of, I bumble my way around uh, Facebook, but it's interesting. And, uh, but I'm on LinkedIn and Facebook and we have a Facebook page for Bueller. Okay. And uh, we have a Facebook page for student movers and we do, I think we Twitter too. <laughs> Sounds like a plan. Well, you know, Jamie, is there anything that we, I'm sure there's lots we should have brought up, but anything oh. further that you should bring up on your mind? Oh, just if you're interested in learning more about Stuart's story, please visit our website, www.titan100.biz. You can read about Stuart and all of the 2020 Titan 100, their individual landing pages. Stuart's story is obviously an inspiration to so many. Thank you so much for being here with us, Stuart, and for sharing all of your experiences. It's been incredibly humbling to listen to you and your mindset. Well, thank you. It's humbling that you guys uh, felt I was honored. I deserve the honor to be a Titan. I mean, that's a uh, is a humbling experience. And I think humility is really important in being a leader too. So mm-hmm. we have too many people with big egos walking around. Stuart, it's been a joy. You know, I, I, I just think about doing the right thing for your, your folks that, you know, help contribute to the success of your company. And I think that's a universal message that's ignored often. And so I, you know, just impressed. So thanks so much for your time. And Jamie, I think we'll call it good. Yeah. Thanks, everyone. Thank you.